Ready. Three, two, one, and intro music. Hey guys, welcome to Oddity Files, the podcast. I'm Kitsy Duncan. And I'm all by my lonesome today. So let's see how this goes. We're going to give it a shot. You guys bear with me because I've never done this by myself before. Oddity Files is a paranormal podcast where I find creepy shit on the internet that I want to tell you more about. Really, it's because I want to know more about it. But yeah, that's what we do. It's not creepy always. I try to be funny. It doesn't always work. So We'll see how that goes. So guys, we've, I've got a, an outline for the first time ever. So I made a TikTok this week. Yes, I know I'm too fucking old for that shit, but it seems to be the, the latest and the greatest and the awesome. And I started a, an account there and I'm completely sucked in by the puppy videos. These puppies are the cutest and people are hilarious and their dogs are hilarious. So I don't know if you have a TikTok, but if you do, please add oddity files on there. I have no clue what I'm doing. I think it's all about the hashtags and it's like a whole new thing to learn. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I've added a handful of videos. Only one was like original content. But last week we had talked about the craziest evidence we ever got. And it was at the residential, the only residential house that we had investigated. And we were talking about the weird little creepy thing that kind of came out of the TV. Well, I went ahead and added that video to the TikTok. So if you're still wondering what that's all about, you haven't watched the episode, The Longing Spirit in season one on Amazon Prime, check it out. It's still something that blows my mind. And I still think it looks like flubber. And if you don't know what flubber is, completely ignore that last comment. So yeah, TikTok, it's a thing. I'm trying to learn it. I feel like I'm 103 years old because I'm not quite getting it yet. But please add us. We'll try to follow you back and see where this ends up. It's it's contest winner time. Are you ready? Contest winner time. We had two contests this month. The first was if you were to take a selfie or a video of yourself while you're watching Oddity Files on Amazon Prime, you're supposed to post it on the socials and tag us in it. And we actually had more than I thought we would get. Not a whole lot, but more than I thought we would get at all. So we want to thank everybody for playing along with that. We'll find out if we're going to do another contest like that soon. But our winner for the selfie slash video contest on social media tag oddity files this time is Paul 
Damiani, and I know I pronounced that wrong. So, Paul, I'm going to spell your last name so you know it's you. It's D-A-M-I-A-N-I. So, Paul, thank you. He posted a fun little video with uh, aliens coming down. We'll go ahead and post that on the stories this week for you. So, Paul, what you need to do now is reach out at oddityfilescrew at gmail, and I'll mail you out some fun oddity file stickers, and I got the coolest stamps so I could actually mail the prizes out on time. Did you guys know that the post office has a full-on page of spooky stamps? So yeah, I ordered three of those. Pretty excited. They're kind of foily, kind of fun. So thanks, post office, for that. Also, we had our rate and review contest, which we do every month, and I'll go ahead and start that now. What it is, is you rate and review either the podcast or the TV show on all the things, anywhere you can submit a review. IMDb, Amazon Prime, Apple Podcasts. And I know there are a couple other podcast apps that let you rate as well. I just don't know them off the top of my head. So what you do is you leave a review and then you screenshot it when you send it and you send that to oddityfilescrew at gmail.com and we'll put you in a drawing, which we do every month. But this month, our winner is... That was terrible. (laughs) Ursula Good. So Ursula, you are amazing. She's been the biggest proponent of making fun little memes, if you will, with the Oddity Files crew in it. And she's been great. I swear it was completely random and I'm not playing favorites because that's not what I do. But Ursula, thank you so much. Send me your address to oddityfilescrew at gmail and we'll get you some fun stickers in the mail too. So yeah, how's everybody doing? Nothing real creepy going on here at my house. Thank God. But I haven't been looking for it either. I've been kind of fucking busy. I think I've been more busy than I was before all this stuff we don't talk about on this show went down. My friend KJ's been on the show a couple times, and she's absolutely amazing, one of my best friends. And I've been on her podcast quite a bit, but she lets me pull the paranormal card. So I bring the paranormal vibe to the kind of nerdy girls. I have been having so much fun with that. So KJ, I appreciate the fuck out of you, girl. And it's always fun to be on the kind of nerdy girls podcast. You guys, I cannot even tell you how amazing this little journey has been. It's Oddity Files is just, I don't know, it's, it was this little bitty baby that I took and I nurtured and, and learned from. And, and now it's turned into this, you know, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but it's turned into this phenomena that has kind of taken over my life right now. And I couldn't be happier about it. You guys are so fucking amazing. So thank you. We're getting new follows on all the socials and people are reaching out saying how much they love Oddity Files style of investigating. And for the longest time, I was like, what do they mean? I mean, we just go in and and we hunt ghosts like everybody else, but everybody's digging the love, light, peace and positivity vibe we bring to these things. And I am so grateful for all of you that see it the way we do and that these 
these places, these spirits, they have stories to tell. So that's what we're all about, in case you don't know, in case you're a new listener. Yeah. So check us out on Amazon Prime. We're also, like I said, on all the socials. We're at Oddity Files on Twitter and Instagram and now TikTok. TikTok and you don't stop. Okay, I'll stop. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we're also on Facebook. We just Oddity Files on there. And we have a secret Facebook fan group that's called Oddity Files Fan Group. And we call it secret because you need to click a button that says, I'd like to join this group. So it just means it's just not all out there willy-nilly, you know, like a dick in the wind because I have no other thing coming to mind right now. Also, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but Sunday is hashtag paranormal day. Did you know there was a day? I did because it's on my calendar twice. And I'm not sure why it's showing up on both Sunday and Monday. But a good friend of mine, her name is Courtney Morch. She, and I hope I pronounce that right, because we're online friends. We're not face-to-face friends. I'm sure everybody's got those. But she has this page on Facebook called Haunt Jaunts. And she travels all over the world and finds out fun little things about hauntings and the location she's staying at and things like that. And she does paranormal in the news as well. I've gotten quite a few of mine from her. I'm not going to lie. So she's put together this absolutely free paranormal day on Facebook. And she's got a shit ton of guests that are into the paranormal. And they're going to stream like live streams from each of these people throughout the day. It starts at 10 a.m. Central, and then just this huge list. And if you go to either Oddity Files or my now public Facebook page, um, I've posted about it a bazillion times. So I think it starts at 10 a.m. Central, and it goes for 12 hours. I'm on at 2.30 Central. I have no clue what to talk about. I think it's just me. So if you guys have anything you think I should talk about, you could just send that over to me at Oddity Files Crew at Gmail. I will love you forever. I would hug you, but you know, social distancing is like the new trend right now, so I can't do that. My apologies. Okay. I want to give a shout out to our producers, Doug Malden Locke. Love you, man. Ryan Hoke. Thank you so much for all the things you do for us. It is so appreciated. And Donald Blanchflower, who has the best Instagram account. I'm I'm telling you, all the motivational shit. And I could use it at this point in my life. Oh, so I just wanted to tell you about a new podcast I've been working on with my dear friend, Heather Rage. I mean, y'all know that true crime is my shit and I can't get enough of it. Actually, there has not been enough of it in my life right now. So Heather and I have been talking about starting our own podcast for a hot minute. We're both totally into it. Whenever we hang out together, we're listening to My Favorite Murder. We're watching all the ID channel shows and all the all the awesome, amazing true crime documentaries that are out on like Netflix and Amazon Prime and stuff like that. And we're like, oh my gosh, we should do our own podcast. So we did. It took some, you know, it took some 
time to figure. I, we didn't just want to go, oh, let's just talk murder because there's so much of that out there. So I needed a niche. And that's just because that's I'm that bitch. And we decided that we were only going to talk about lady killers, which I'm sure there are podcasts out there that do that. But this was going to be our twist. I'm sure you've heard me say a million times that bitches be crazy. And I want to know why they're all fucking crazy and why they would kill somebody. So that's what we're doing. It's called Miss Murder. It's going to debut May 2020. We don't have an exact date yet. We are still working on that. We've got the artwork. We've got all the social pages for it. It's at Miss Murder underscore pod on Instagram and Twitter on Facebook. You know, Facebook doesn't let you put the word murder into your your page name. The fuck? I was a little shitty, um, but it's Miss M Podcast on Facebook, and we're going to go ahead and quickly here get up a trailer so you guys can get out there and subscribe early before the episodes start dropping. So Heather's in Texas, and I'm here, so we're kind of struggling with a little bit of audio right now, so I'm trying to figure out how to clean up some things, and it's really hard. Um, math is hard, words are hard, and cleaning up audio is hard. It's fucking official, okay? Um, But we're super excited about it and would love for you to follow us on all the socials. Heather is adorable, and I'm just as snarky as you expect me to be. Probably more because these bitches piss me off. Hey, are you ready for some paranormal in the news? I fucking am. Crazy shit going on in the world. So I'm not going to get too into it, but did you guys know that in the midst of all that is going on in the world, I think it got pushed down because of that thing we don't talk about, but the Pentagon, remember, I think it was last year we had talked about that these UFO videos from the military had leaked, and I guess at that point... The government was just pretending like it didn't happen. I think the, um, I think it was Time Magazine leaked them. I'm checking right now. Yep, can't find it. So these videos leaked, and they kind of sat out there for about a yearish, I would guess, maybe even a little longer, and it just kind of went away as news does. But this week, and according to ABC News, this week. The Pentagon has declassified three previously leaked top secret U.S. Navy videos that show unexplained aerial phenomena, and that some believe this could show unidentified flying objects or UFOs in an effort to, quote, clear up any misconceptions by the public on whether or not the footage has been circulated. The footage that has been circulating (laughs) was real or whether or not there is more videos, said a Pentagon spokesperson. The aerial phenomena observed in the videos remains characterized as unidentified, said the spokesperson. So what this means is, one, that's real. Two, you know, we can... Pretend like there's UFOs out there, but it's fucking real, people. I'm not even kidding you. I'm going to go ahead and put these videos in our stories. Again, I think we had done it when we covered this the first time, but 
Here's my thing. Why the fuck is this not everywhere? I saw a couple people posted on socials, but why the fuck is this not everywhere? It's confirmed. There are UFOs. They don't know where they're from or what they are, but they are literally unidentified flying objects. And these guys, when they're getting the footage, are like, holy fucking shit, what is this? Blah, 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 blah. Definitely worth a watch. Uh, Like I said, I'll put that up on the stories this week. But yeah, guys, confirmed by the fucking Pentagon. These videos are legit. They're real. They have absolutely fucking no idea what they were. They didn't chase after them. They were just, you know, kind of tracking them for a little bit, and then they just fucking disappear. It's insane. So, yeah, close encounters of the third fucking kind. Oh, my God. Did I ever tell you? I don't know if I ever told you this or not, but close encounters as a child was one of the scariest movies for me. Does anybody else feel that way? I mean, even more so than Poltergeist. And I mean, I didn't watch a lot of horror as a kid, but that movie fucking scared the shit. I mean, the dad goes crazy. I was a a kid when this happened. And oh, I don't know. So (laughs) let me know if that movie scared the shit out of you too, because holy shit, that it scarred me for a hot minute. I thought something was going to come in a doggy door I did not have. And I'm pretty sure when the little boy was abducted, I think it happened in Indiana. I don't know. I, I, I would say I'll go back and watch, but I, I'm not going to because I'm afraid it'll give me a panic attack. Oh, yeah. I want to put this out there. Who do you guys want as a guest on an upcoming episode? I'm kind of running out of ideas at this point. I've got a few of them recorded, and I'm super, super excited to have uh, these people on and for you guys to listen to their stories. But I need more. I am that girl. It is never fucking enough. Um, So yeah, reach out. Let us know. Um, Tag us and them on social media. Maybe that'll spark some interest. If you know of anybody out there who is down for this kind of stuff and wants to tell their story, reach out to us and, and we'll try to reach out to them as well. But yeah, I need your help. So yeah. If you have any suggestions, please reach out. OddityFilesCrew at Gmail or reach out on all the socials. So I still haven't seen Sasquatch out my window because, you know, that's what I do in my spare time. I do live in a forest that's known for Sasquatch sightings and still hasn't found him. Yeah, he hasn't come up on my rain cameras either. So I just wanted to tell you how disappointed I am in you, Sasquatch, and... I kind of like to say hello. I know it's social distancing and all. You can stay six feet apart. But don't be an asquatch, man. Just come and say hello. I love you. And yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't know. I'm losing my fucking mind. But I've got a story. Raise your hand if you want to hear a goddamn story. Because I'm about to tell you how H.H. Holmes kills from beyond the grave. Have y'all heard of H.H. Holmes? If you're a true crime addict like myself, the name probably raises thoughts of pure terror or at least strikes a bell. For those that don't, 
Let me give you a rundown on who most consider America's very first serial killer. Don't worry, it's going to turn paranormal, I promise. And that story goes a little something like this. H.H. Holmes is mostly known for his murder castle in Chicago. Construction on the castle began in 1888 on the corner of 63rd and Wallace. The building wasn't finished for six months, largely because Holmes hired more than 500 men to work on the building. Most were fired after a few weeks on the job, likely to keep builders in the dark as to the sinister plot that they were helping play out. So a little skinny on the building. The first floor was built for shops. The third floor was all office space for rent. But the second floor, the infamous second floor, was built as rooms for rent. Kind of like a hotel, but, you know, more long term. I don't know if it's a motel or a hotel or the holiday in. Sorry. One of the hotels where you check in and you never check out. (laughs) The rooms were all built soundproof. The doors locked only from the outside. And each room had a gas pipe installed in it which led to Holmes's office on the third floor. There were secret passageways between the rooms and some secret rooms too. So each room was pretty much a gas chamber. Are you with me there? (laughs) He would gas his guests' rooms and knock them unconscious, dump their bodies through a chute that I forgot to mention was in each room as well, and they went straight down to the basement. So, you know, your standard death chute death tunnel, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Oh, and it didn't stop there. Once he had his victims in the basement, he would dissect them and then throw their corpses in a vat of acid. Then this motherfucker would sell the skeletons to medical schools. Are you kidding me? But really, where do I get one? Does anybody have a connection on that? Let me know. It's oddityfilescrew at gmail.com. So they don't know how many people were murdered. But this was a working hotel motel holiday stopping now during the Chicago World's Fair, which drew over 70, no, 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 numbers are hard, 750,000 people to my shy town. And newspaper reports of the time claim over 800 women went missing during that time. So, I mean, the numbers have to be up there. But holy shit, 800 women went missing in this world's fair time are you fucking kidding me how is there not more on that and how is this the first time i heard on that fucking people holy shit okay enough true crime he eventually kills poor benjamin peitzel holmes's wife one of his many which i'm i don't want to get into all that stuff but one of his many wives gives him up to the authorities and he's sentenced to hang in the gallows in 1896 On the day of his hanging, May 7th, 19, nope, 1896, Holmes reportedly told the executioner, take your time, old man, and he did. This is, that's probably fucking perfect for this guy. While death is typically instant during hanging due to the neck breaking, which I assume you all know, Holmes's neck never snapped. Instead, Witnesses to the execution reported him twitching, hanging there for over 15 minutes. Oh, 
like nightmare shit. He was pronounced dead 20 minutes after the trap had been sprung. Yeah, nightmare shit, but he fucking deserved it. We can all say that now. It's been a long fucking time. It was said by many in the courtroom the day the verdict was read, Holmes looked out into the room and said, my curse is upon you. There we go. It's getting paranormal. You ready for some curse shit? I am. Okay. According to the Philadelphia Inquirer, 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 the paper that detailed every detail on the trial from beginning to end, the paper said that as each juror rose and gave their personal verdict and their name, Judge Rotan said to each of them, jurors look upon the face of the prisoner. Prisoner, look upon the face of the juror. How say you, guilty or not guilty? So while the jury was being polled, the paper went on to say that Holmes was seated and made a note on a piece of paper, which rested on his knee, the name of each juror. Dun, dun, dun. So here's a list of people that were affected by the curse of H.H. Holmes or the haunting of the H.H. Holmes, some claiming these events happened before Holmes was even hung. So you ready for some cursed shit? Here we go. William Shoemaker, he was H.H. Holmes's attorney at the trial. He was disbarred before Holmes was even hung, and apparently that was because Holmes was having him do some shady shit. Judge Michael Arnold was diagnosed with rectal cancer and died later. The fiancé of Samuel Rotan, another of Holmes's attorney, died under mysterious circumstances. Thomas Barlow, assistant DA, suffered from brain fever. And yeah, I had to go to Google to figure out what brain fever was, but it describes a medical condition where a part of the brain becomes inflamed and causes symptoms that present a fever. So that's some pretty serious shit. Um, William Mattern, the coroner's physician who performed the autopsy on Peitzel, the guy who he was on trial for killing, died of blood poisoning. There's that. Uh, Linford L. Biles. He was the jury foreman. And this is the most bizarre of all these things. He died on the roof of his house after electric wires that were above his home snapped above his home. And he went up to see what the ruckus was at 2.30 a.m. So the old dude's laying in bed and all of a sudden, boom, is what I'm imagining he hears. <laughs> and he goes up to see what it is because, you know, that's a First, well, first of all, I hate ladders because I'm afraid of heights, but I'm not one to go up on the roof at 2.30 a.m. So he goes up there, and he's trying to get the wires off the roof, and he electrocutes himself and dies on his roof. He didn't fall off. His son had to go up and find him later. But still, the most bizarre death of all the cursed deaths in this story. Okay, so Thomas Fay. The attorney for Mr. Peitzel gets typhoid fever. Two jurors, unnamed jurors, died after a short illness. Richard Johnson, another juror, committed suicide by inhaling illuminating gas. And I forgot to Google what illuminating gas is, but it sounds terrible. Another of Holmes' attorneys, J. Carroll McCaffrey, 
died of heart disease at 40 years old. Howard Perkins, the prison superintendent of the prison where Holmes was held awaiting trial and then awaiting his execution, died by shooting himself in the head in the prison in his office, previously showing absolutely no signs of depression. So, whoa. A tip staff of the trial died. I don't know what a tip staff is, but I'm assuming, no, I have no fucking clue. Don't know how he died either. O.L. Forrest Perry, an insurance investigator, had his office burned down with everything, all the paperwork, all the stuff, and all the things inside, but he did not die. Father Henry McPike, the assistant spiritual advisor's body. So he was the assistant spiritual advisor. Don't know what that means. I'm assuming, you know, maybe last rites, something like that. His body was found near his church dead. He was surrounded by ash and dirt with a broken nose, a fractured skull at 30 years old. However, the autopsy said he died of natural causes. This is me calling bullshit. In the book I read on this said that I guess the thing back then, which, God, I hope this never becomes a thing again, but it was sandbag beating. So people would fill like cloth bags full of sand and dirt and ashes maybe and beat the shit out of people with it. Are you fucking kidding me? Do not let this happen again, people, because that's terrifying. Okay, so up to... Three other unknown jail keepers died. Again, it didn't really get into that. Um, Thomas Crawford, a detective on the case, dies of carcinoma or cancer of the face, skin cancer. Marion Hedgepath, an informant and the former cellmate of Holmes, dies. I mean, that's a lot of stuff. So all these things happened within 20 years after H.H. Holmes was hung. And I guess this was like the story of the century. All the papers were writing, oh, God, we've got another curse victim. So, I mean, it it was legit known at the time as the curse of H.H. Holmes. Now, there's no documenting saying that he did say that he would curse everybody. A lot of people think it's hearsay. But, you know, if you go by the, the proof that I just read there, it might quite possibly be a thing. So whether you're a believer or not, there's absolutely some circumstantial evidence going on. And this is pretty much the Cliff Notes version. Could all this be coincidence? Sure, maybe. I don't know, really. But it seems like a whole hell of a lot of really weird deaths involving a lot of people involved in the case and trial of one single man. There were rumors stating that Holmes was never hung and that he had someone take the literal fall for him. And he just kind of watched this guy get hung and took off and maybe caused all these deaths. But in 2017, a DNA test was done on the corpse of the man that was hung as H.H. Holmes. And the DNA test proved that H.H. Holmes was the body that was buried. So... I'm going to go out on a limb and say the curse was a legit thing. I think there were too many to be considered a coincidence. Or who knows, maybe it was H.H. Holmes' ghost. Like I always say, if you're an asshole in life, you're going to be an asshole in death. 
don't be an asquatch, Holmes, okay? <laughs> That's my new saying. It's twice already in this episode. I will stop now. So the wingmen for my story are the book The Curse of H.H. Holmes by Adam Seltzer. It took me this long to finally purchase a book to research. Um, also, Indianapolis's own Nouveau magazine, The Google. No mysteries at the museum this time, but hey, Don, hey. Guys, have you heard of diedinhouse.com? This is pretty much the coolest thing ever. Ever feel like somebody's watching you in your house and you don't know why and you're the only one in the house? Did you know real estate brokers are not obliged to tell you if someone died in the house unless you ask? Yep, I found that one out the hard way. I mean, it's certainly not a checkbox on a Zillow site, now is it? So are you looking at houses and don't want to move into a murder house? I mean, I do, but I understand that it's not for everyone. Well, now you can find out who died in your house or any house for that matter, and usually what the cause of death was as well. And we have a way for you to save money when you do. Of course we do. Check out diedinhouse.com. Save 10% by using promo code OddityFiles, one word, no spaces, before buying or renting a home. Get informed about everything. Use diedinhouse.com to learn the house history. Again, head to diedinhouse.com and enter promo code OddityFiles, one word, at checkout, and you'll save 10%. So since it's just me all by my lonesome this week, I'm going to go ahead and play a pre-recorded interview I did with my very dear, very wonderful friend, Chris51. I He used to be on the con circuit with me, and we became so close over the years. He and his wife are like family. He and his crew are like family. So he has known for the, I think, one season of the show called Epic Inc., and he is the ringleader of some amazing people. So let's go ahead and play that interview. Oh my God, we're recording. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> Kitsy here with my dear, wonderful friend, Chris51. You guys, I can't wait for you to meet him. He is literally one of my favorite human beings. So um, he's got a a YouTube show that's out that I think... A whole heck of a lot of you guys are going to really enjoy. Welcome, Chris. Thank you so much for the sweet intro. I'm very excited to be here. There were no lies. I promise you are one of my favorite human beings. <laughs> well, the feeling's mutual. Aw. Well, tell them about your YouTube show. Okay, let's just jump right in. Why not, right? Do it. So yeah, That's um, how I roll. <laughs> that's how you roll. Okay, so <laughs> I'll, I'll make it brief but interesting, okay? so Yes. It started out, I put on a convention called Headbangers Con, okay? And it was, you know, I've done so many conventions with you, actually, that, you know, yeah. we kind of live the the lifestyle of the, the Comic-Con type life and stuff. Well, I realized that there was nothing like that for heavy metal at all. So Ooh. I kind of put on like the, the world's first heavy metal slash Comic-Con type thing where, you know, you kind of had the actors or, you know, the, the musicians were the actors signing autographs, doing photo ops and that kind of stuff. It was really fun and it was a good success. And it, it led me to look more into the music industry, which everyone says is dying and they're pretty much right. 
Um, and I was like, you know, since I come from a reality TV show background, um, having done Epic Inc and I kind of created that whole thing on A&E um, with the help of some friends and, uh, you know, my reality TV mind went into action and I was like, you know, there's no reality TV for heavy metal. And I know that there's still fans out there of it. So I decided like, what the hell, why not? I'm going to recruit some people that I know and trust, and I'm going to make a heavy metal reality show. So that's what I Good did for you. Yeah. So it's uh, it's called Headbangers Live TV. It's on YouTube. We just released the first two episodes. We're about to release the third one. And basically what it is, is it's a really cool. It's it's me and uh, me and a girl named Scandalous and a buddy named Ticker. And uh, he's got Tourette syndrome. So it's really funny because he'll make really fucked up weird noises right in the middle <laughs> of conversations. And we all make fun of him and he's a good sport about it. But uh, he's a struggling musician of 15 years, and we all three just get along. And what we do is, uh, because of Headbangers Con, I know a lot of these musicians because they were my my guests, you know, when I was promoting that. So we kind of have a, a unique access to backstage. They let us film on stage, under the drum set. I mean, you name it. We get the kind of angles that you... What? Yeah, you've never seen where we have access to in the green room, the prayers and the huddles before the, they go live on stage, all the cool shit. And, you know, we get to, uh, we get to do all that and then be fans as well. And, you know, get on the tour bus and do interviews and, and, and all the hard work too. So it's kind of a, a look into the life of what it takes to be a traveling, working rock star on tour. So it's uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, the the parties, the everything in between. So we've just like just hit the tip of the iceberg on a couple episodes and getting some good feedback on it. And people are wanting more. So uh, we'll have three episodes and um, we'll start planning some more. So that's kind of what's going on. So it's Headbangers Live TV on YouTube. Perfect. That's absolutely perfect. And where can everybody follow along with you. I know you're on all the socials. Go ahead and give yourself a shout out on those for me. I am. It's pretty much Chris 50. Uh, Instagram is Chris 51 official. And that's where I do most of my stuff. And uh, please message me anytime. I love being social on social. That's what it's there for. So I answer all messages and I just love uh, bullshitting about whatever, anything geeky or heavy metal or sports or, or you name it. So that's where I mostly am, but it's Everywhere else, you can just find me on, you know, Chris 51, pretty much across the board. Now, you barely touched on it, but Chris is one of the, and his team, honestly, are some of the most talented tattoo artists I have ever met in my life. My twins, Carter and Cassie, have only had ink put on their body via your team. So once this, all this crap is done, you guys are going to be back together in your tattoo studio in Oregon, right? Yes, that's correct. Yep. And thanks for that. Cool. That was nice. I've had, I think, three tattoos via your team. And I would have only had them done by your team, but I had had a couple before I met you. So go ahead and tell everybody about your shop in, in case they're into looking for getting a tattoo out on the, what is it, the northwest side of North, the, the yeah. country? <laughs> Northwest, almost Canada's butthole, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, we're way up there. <laughs> and, and what city are you in? What's the name of your shop? Uh, we are in this little state called Oregon. Some people know it, some people don't. Um, <laughs> and I'm in Springfield, Oregon. And the cool thing about Springfield, uh, pretty much the only cool thing about Springfield, Oregon, is that it is the home of the Simpsons, which is why I'm such a huge Simpsons fan, and it kind of guides my whole life here. But yeah, so we my my shop is called Area 51. 
tattoo and it is in Springfield, Oregon. We kind of specialize in, in stuff just like that, you know, sci-fi pop culture, geeky, um, tattoos. And that's pretty much all we do. So it's, it's a cool destination for people to come when they want art like that. And, and the whole shop itself is like a museum. It's full of, you know, prized action figures and toys and all kinds of really cool shit. So that's basically it in a nutshell. I have not been there yet, but someday I plan to. So, you know, it kind of struck me that your your shop is called Area 51 and aliens are completely paranormal. How'd you come up with that name? You know, it's funny. Um, I came up with that name for two reasons. One, I'm a huge alien buff. Um, I, I probably just started from, you know, Star Wars when I was a kid, like probably most people my age. And we, we won't go into ages right now, of course. But, um, <laughs> it started from watching aliens on on Star Wars, you know, and um, just developed into a love for aliens. Everything from, you know, the X-Files to Star Trek to everything in between. ET when I was a kid and all that stuff. So I've always had this love and I've always been a huge believer um, in it. When long ass time ago, when I started tattooing, which 20 years ago, you know, everything was named Black Rose or Rose and Dagger or Skull and Snake. It was all those traditional tattoo type names, which there's nothing wrong with, but I wanted something different. I wanted something a little more new and a little more me and unique. So, and I didn't want that average traditional street shop with flash hanging on the walls. I wanted pictures of star Wars and aliens and shit on the walls, you know? So I thought, um, I thought up area 51, you know, it's kind of, kind of leaves a little bit to the imagination and it's intriguing. And, uh, you walk in and you feel that, you know, you kind of feel that atmosphere and that vibe. So I wanted something different. And at first I honestly, like I was ridiculed by some old schoolers, for oh, kind of sure. going yeah, outside the norm and who's this guy, guy I think he is and stuff. And, you know, I just, I held in there and now all them old schoolers are long gone and uh, I'm still here. So fuck them, you know? Fuck them. Exactly. I was hoping <laughs> you were like abducted by aliens and I would just be finding this out, but. It's one of my dreams to be abducted by aliens. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I will be, you know, that movie Independence Day. It's got that, that dumb bitch up on the roof, like abduct me with the yeah. sign. <laughs> That's going to be me. Like, please abduct me. Just no anal probes. Other than that, I'm good to go. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm picturing you on top of a, a roof with your big sign wearing like alien, like little, like the headband with like the little alien antennas coming out of it. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> Took me there awesome. for a minute. It was magical. But now I know you don't have any personal paranormal stories, especially now that it's been confirmed you've not been abducted by aliens. However, <laughs> you recently moved your tattoo shop within the last few years. and But before you moved to this location that you're at now, the tattoo parlor you were in before, several of your uh, fellow artists had several paranormal experiences there. And I've heard a couple of them, but I'd love for you to tell our listeners about your previous haunted tattoo shop. Oh, hell yes. Okay. I love this. And actually I have had a couple experiences myself. They weren't as uh, dramatic as theirs, but um, I have had a couple. So I will go in first, if it's okay with you to the couple times, the couple things that I have witnessed and been a part of myself at the shop there. Sound good? Of course. Yes, please. I thought you told me you didn't have any and I'm going to cut that out, but yes, please. No, you know what? I, um, I did. And I think it was one of those things that, 
you know, at the time I kind of, after it was done, I kind of brushed it off or, or whatever, or, or the guy's stories were maybe way more crazy than mine. And I guess I kind of just put it in the back of my mind and forgot it. And I actually had a conference call with my, with my, my couple artists the other day, my boys, and to, to discuss all the stuff that happened at that old shop, you know, to kind of prepare. Cause I do my homework and shit. I'm not going to come into I'm this podcast blindly. Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, and they reminded me of some stuff that I totally forgot about. And I was like, oh shit, you're right. So yeah, I got all the good stories here. Okay. So first of all, the, the craziest thing that happened to me and, and, you know, um, don't laugh if this doesn't seem that, you know, extravagant of a story, but, um, I, uh, so my coworkers are, are Chris and Kyler. So there's Chris, Chris and Kyler are the three of us. Okay. And we always have worked together for years and years and years. Um, we were all three tattooing. And, uh, my, my shop is literally 10,000 action figures hung up on nails around everywhere. I mean, it's a geek's paradise. Okay. So we were all tattooing and I had a row hanging overhead over an archway of predator figures. Go figure it's predator and alien, right? Of course. <laughs> um, and these toys, okay. They are hung on. You know how when you have you take the little toys off the pegs at like Walmart and stuff, they have the little groove cut in into them, you know? Yeah. It's a hole in the cardboard. Um, it's called a punch out. And it was hanging on a nail. Like I'm talking like not a thumbtack, a nail that is at an upward angle so it can't slip off in a yeah. cardboard hole. Literally, you have to go up a ladder and lift up on it and pull out. Okay. Well, yeah. This one particular predator figure, we're all tattooing and it just flies off the nail. I am not lying. It scared the shit out of us. It just popped off of it, landed on the floor. And we all looked at each other like, what the fuck? And I was like, oh, I had to break. And you think that's no big deal. Well, <laughs> I know. I guess it, I don't know. There's just trumped my story. So, you know, um, so I, oh, it had to break. The cardboard had to rip. I went and looked. Sure enough, no rip, no tear on the cardboard, nothing. I was like, there's no way. I hung it up and I was like, all right, I'm hanging this up. It's secure. There's nothing, right? I was the last one to leave that shop that night. I come in in the morning. I unset the, the shop alarm. No one's been in there. The fucking figures back on the floor in the same spot. And no Get one had been out. in that shop. Nope. Nope. I swear to God, we had a ghost that had a problem with our toys. I don't know if it was like maybe the ghost had a a childhood. Like we never saw the ghost, but it, it must have been like a, a childhood thing. Uh, a kid whose toys were taken away from him. It had to be something like that to do with toys because he only fucked around with our toys. Okay. Wow. Um, and that same figure. Oh, there was a whole row. There was 20 goddamn predator figures on that wall in the same spot with the same nails and that figure must have fallen down four or five times and it was like the king predator it was like the boss predator of them all you know of, of all of the ones um, to fall down it was like and it was the it was the san diego comic-con exclusive it was the most fucking expensive one that kept getting ruined <laughs> because it would fall down so it was almost like a temper tantrum type thing like i'm gonna take your best one i'm gonna throw this shit on the ground you know so that was, it, it pissed me off, but you know, I mean, how pissed off can you really get? Cause you're kind of freaked out at the same time, you know? Right. Yeah. So that was my biggest thing. Uh, another time, um, by the way, and, and I'll just throw this out there. Okay. Let me interrupt myself. 
let me preface uh-huh. with this. Most tattoo shops are haunted. And I don't know if you knew that because I know you kind of just. I did not. Yeah. So, you know, you've been with me a long time and, and you and I have talked tattoos. So you probably haven't talked to a lot of other tattoo artists outside of our circles. Okay. If you talk to a lot of tattoo artists, they will tell you, especially at night when the customers are gone and they're there by themselves, because the tattoo artists spend a lot of time alone drawing in the quiet of night. Okay. That's mm-hmm. when we get our shit done. And a, most tattoo artists will tell you that their shops are haunted and they have all kinds of stories from being alone in their shops at night. And this is like, this is a legit true thing. Okay. Um, Whoa. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that or not, but that's, I've, I did not. Yeah. I've heard that lots of times. I don't know. You know, maybe it's something to do with like, call me crazy, but, and I don't mean to get all philosophical on your ass here, but, uh, do it. You know, you're putting something on someone for life and there's a lot of emotion involved and that carries a lot of weight with them, whether it's sad or happy, tragic, you know, a lot of the same situations that could, you know, revolve around spirits. And you're bringing that out of people and into the air and, and into the environment and uh, discussing it and paying tribute to it or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be. So it makes sense to me. Don't you think that kind of makes sense? Actually, my very first real live tattoo, because I got a, like a little shitty one in Florida off the beach at one point. That one doesn't count. But my first legit color tattoo was in memoriam of my dad. It makes complete sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When you think of it that way, you know, it, it really does. Um, I mean, where else, you know, what other kind of public environment, I guess, normal day-to-day type public environment that's, you know, not some old hotel or something where, you know, tragedies have happened, you know, your normal business, you know, what other place has more emotion going on than a tattoo shop, you know? So it's, absolutely it's, it makes sense. Yeah. So, and then another thing that happened to me was I probably three or four times I got called uh, by my alarm company that emotion sensor was going off upstairs. Okay. Our upstairs in the shop was an old, a big ass old attic that I converted when we filmed Epic Inc because we used it up there to do still photography and stuff for interviews and that sort of thing. Okay. Okay. Um, So it was this big open quiet place. Okay. There's nothing hanging on the walls. There's nothing hanging from the ceilings. There's no airflow. They had no air conditioning up there. In fact, we sweat our balls off when we filmed that beginning up there. We hated it. But there's <laughs> no way for any movement to happen, period, unless it's a, a figure. Okay. Um, yeah. And all there is up there, of course, is boxes of old toys. All right. So oh. several times I got called. And no one been in the shop because, you know, you see those notifications on your phone if someone disarmed it or whatever. And and I would go upstairs because that, that was the motion sensor that was triggered. And every time it was like a box of toys that fell over or or maybe a box no. of toys was on the ground. that didn't even fall over, but maybe a box was open. And I'd ask the guys the next day, did you guys go through my box of G.I. Joe's or something? And they're like, no, you know. And so I'm telling you, it was it was like kid ghost who did not like our toys or yeah. wanted to play with them himself or something. I can't explain it. I mean, I honestly can't explain it. I wish you could see the look on my face right now. I'm just like, Oh my God. <laughs> I knew you'd like this. And you know, I, it's crazy because I've never really told anyone about this. I don't even think my wife knows this kind of stuff. So just, just us boys at the shop. Oh, 
Well, thanks for sharing it with us. Yeah, it's fun to talk about. So yeah, you want me to tell you a couple of stories from the guys then what happened? Yes, please. Let's see. So, all right. Kyler uh, was, we had kind of an island in the middle of the shop that we all drew on. It was like our our home base. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Kyler was sitting on the island drawing and Chris was about 10 feet behind him tattooing. Um, I wasn't there. I had already left for the day. So it's just those two guys. And Kyler kept hearing noises in the, in the back room in the attic, but I wasn't back there. There was nobody back there, but he kept hearing like shuffling feet and stuff so much so that he went back there, opened the door, turn on the light. No one's there. Okay. Nothing's going on. He's like, what the hell? Huh? And he sat back down. He hears a clicking sound and turns around and swears that he felt like the breeze of somebody, something walk by him. Okay. And, and then when he turned the other way to look, he heard feet shuffling, like feet shuffling on a carpet. You know, like if you dragged your shoes on the carpet, he heard that noise walk over to the walk over to the pinball machine. All right. And that was the exact time pinball machines. Like when you have a pinball machine that stays on, like, I don't know, every 10 or 15 minutes, the little noise will sound, you know, like, come play me, you know, something like that. Well, as soon as those shuffle walked by, he walked over the film machine, that noise came on, like someone touched the machine. But here's the creepiest part. All right. Is the client that Chris was tattooing 10 feet away. Now these, these feet had to drag in between where Kyler was and that client was. Okay. Okay. The client that Chris was tattooing like 10 feet away sits up, looks over Kyler and he's like, did you hear that? And Kyler's like, no fucking way. You heard that too? He's like, yeah, I swear <laughs> to God, I just felt somebody walk by. And so it was like one of those hair standing moments that it wasn't just like me thinking Kyler's on drugs or something. It was like <laughs> literally his client heard it over the tattoo machine that he was getting tattooed, like that big loud buzz right in his ear. He actually oh, damn, heard it. Over and they the both gun. Yeah. Yeah. How Shit. crazy is that? Insane. I know. It's it's in it's insane. And once again, I mean, you know, it didn't really have to do with toys, but he was going over to play the pinball machine, which, uh, you know, a juvenile or somebody would do. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So that, yeah, that was crazy. Let me think. Oh, let me think of what else here. Oh, oh, okay. So, oh, this is good shit. All right. So <laughs> we have a, we have like a, a little retail toy section out in the lobby we had at the, at the old shop. Okay. So there were shelves with tons of toys on it, toys leaning against the wall, that kind of stuff. And I swear to God, the biggest thing that this being didn't like was either the toys or how they were arranged or how they were neatly arranged. He had some kind of issue with where the toys were. Okay. Like my predator figure that he'd thrown off the the hook so many times. Okay. Well, that one, I think he was just fucking with me. I just don't think he liked me, you know, but probably because I didn't share my toys with him. I I don't know why, but... (laughs) Okay, the, we're all sitting around the island, all three of us artists, Chris, Chris, and Kyler. We're all sitting around the island, and the little retail store is 15 feet away. It's out in the lobby, out in the corner, and we hear this like click, like a like a click sound, like like if you're thumping with your middle finger, like uh, the plastic bubble on an action figure. We heard that sound, and we're like, "What the hell?" And we look over, we we leave the island, we walk, and we look around the corner. And one of the action figures is just swinging on the peg, like back and forth, back and forth, like swinging, like, 
like somebody flicked it from the side and it's just whoop, whoop, whoop back and forth. And we all look at each other like, what the fuck? And we're like, there's gotta be an explanation, you know? And so Kyler walks over and, uh, feels like, you know, out in the lobby, the air conditioning vents to see, well, of course an air conditioner is not going to push anything that hard, but you know, we needed a, we needed to try and figure this out logically. Right. Felt the air conditioners, nothing was coming out. No vents were on. No one was in the, in and out, like, you know, opening the door to create a draft. There was no one in the lobby. It was completely vacant. So the, we, we went and we, we stopped the figure. We're like, what the hell? And we looked at the figure, you know, there's no tears in it. There's nothing. We stopped it. It's completely still. We're like, that was fucking weird. We go back, <laughs> we sit on the island, and we just peer around the corner, and the fucker starts swinging on its own again. Get the fuck out. No, swear. Look, dude, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it right now. Yeah, we didn't hear the clicking time sound this time, but it was swinging again. We we're like, oh my God, what, what the hell's going on? That same, yeah. that same shelving system. Um, I had a like cookie monster plastic bank up there. just like a couple dollar thing. I found it like a Goodwill or something, but it was old, but it was mm-hmm. on a flat shelf in the middle of the shelf. I'm talking six inches away from the edge of the shelf. Okay. With a flat surface, mm-hmm. not top heavy, no way this thing could ever fall off a shelf unless you physically picked it up and scooted it over six to 10 inches. All right. Um, yeah. I don't put up crooked shelves, mind you, Kitsy. Okay, I only I use a level and I do straight fucking shelves. All right. Um, I believe you. I'm anal about that stuff. All right. <laughs> it's important that we, we we establish I don't put up no crooked shelves. Okay. So I <laughs> I got a snort out of you. I love it. Okay. So I'm in the shop by myself at night, and sure enough, I hear a thud, and I look out, and that goddamn toy had dropped and it was like rolling across, not like, but you know, a, a, like a roll from a drop, like it, boom, bounce, yeah. bounce, bounce, that sort of thing. Not the cookie monster. The cookie monster. And I saw the bounce, bounce, bounce. And I was like, okay, it's time to fucking go home for the night because I don't want to be around this shit. Um, that was another <laughs> oh, one that happened man. to me, by the way. Yeah. And then I think the last- Look, it's all coming thing, back um, now. It is. Like it's all coming back now. Oh, another one. Oh God, there's so many good ones. So- we have, uh, we had books. Um, I'm not going to take a valuable shelf space for toys with books. I mean, that's just stupid, <laughs> yeah, right? So we had books on the floor, you know, old, whatever reference books, Dr. Seuss books, whatever. So we had some stacks of books on the floor and we came in one morning and of course we're the three that lock up together. Hey, bye guys. Have a good night. Alarms on. We come in in the morning. One of the books is literally two feet away from the pile and open to the middle and it's a paperback. So it doesn't have the weight to kind of stay open like a hardback book would. And we're like, we all look at each other. We're like, did you put that book there? I'm like, no dumbass. We all left together. None of us did that. So I didn't see anything significant on the page. Like somebody wanted us to see something, but. But thank God you looked. Cause that was going to be my next question. Oh yeah. I, we looked for sure. But just the fact that it happened was, was creepy. You know, like you, it's just, Way too many unexplained things, you know, to to pass off as, uh, you know, pass off with any kind of logical, I don't know, scientific otherwise proof, yeah. you know. And I, I actually had a shop, my very first shop, like, I don't know, 18, 20 years ago. 
Um, I was in there drawing again, most tattoo shops are haunted, right? The one I moment I had in there, I was drawing by myself late at night and my employee who was there had a, he had his own room. Like you could shut the door. Um, he had his own room to tattoo in. We both okay. had our own little rooms. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. his door was shut and I am drawing and oh my God, talk about, because uh, I'm a pussy. Like, I, let me just preface this with, I'm, I'm pretty much a pussy. I'm, a, I'm afraid of shit. Okay. I don't, I don't like scary. I don't even watch scary movies. I don't like scary shit. Um, okay. So uh, that's why, remember when we were in Philly and you went to that insane asylum and filmed and Kyler went with you guys? What, why the Kyler fuck do you think I didn't it. go? I'm like, that shit's too scary. I'm like, hell no. <laughs> I wasn't trying to be at a dick point, and not want to spend time with you. <laughs> at one point, like, you're going on a ghost hunt with me, fucker. <laughs> oh my God. That would be entertaining, but okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> so anyways, I'm, I'm already scared of, I'm a scaredy cat as it is. I don't watch horror movies. And this guy's whole studio was like all Freddy Krueger shit, Jason stuff. I mean, Halloween, Mike Myers, you name it, all this kind of stuff, right? Well, uh -huh. he had a shelf, he had a shelf with these like two foot tall statues, like kind of plasticky statues that were motion activated. So when you walked by Freddy Krueger, you know, it would, it would be like, come here, little kid or something. You walk or, by or Jason and it'd be like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, like those motion sensor things, like those fish on the wall, you know? Um, yeah. And I'm in there drawing. The door's closed. Lights are off. There's no fucking motion going on. And I'm drawing in my, and I just start hearing this, <laughs> like this yeah. Chucky. Or I'm like, what the fuck? You know, it's like, oh my God. And I was so afraid to even open his door. And I open the door and I look. And of course they all start going off then because then they, you know, yeah. I'm there. And so I'm even more scared. And I'm like, these little fuckers are plotting against me. They're going to like come attack me or some shit. And I couldn't, I was like, why did it go off? And I, I checked, uh, the next day I checked the batteries like weren't low. There was no reason for it. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm drawing in there a few nights later and I just hear a thud and one of the, one of the damn toys falls off the shelf, lands on the floor, and then is just doing the voice over and over and over repeatedly, oh. like it's short circuited or something. And I look and okay, my partner, I put up his shelves. So we know what Chris don't put up no crooked shelves. There's no reason for it to fall off. We've learned one thing in this podcast is that Chris 51 doesn't put up crooked shelves. Okay. He levels so there's that no shit. reason. Yes. There's no reason for that thing to fall off. I mean, and it, that shit was heavy and solid. It wasn't going anywhere. I'm telling you, it fell off just to fuck with me because he knew I was afraid of it, you know? So uh, th this whole thing brought up those because that was 20 years ago. So I'd completely forgotten yeah. about that. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't explain it. I, I don't need to explain it. All I know is it's the truth. I swear to God and uh, shit's scary in it. You know, I, uh, we have weird things happen in tattoo shops when you're alone at night drawing, you know, bringing out other people's demons in art. It's like you're bringing out yes. demons period, you know, like it's crazy. I'm just putting this out here, Chris. So you've got prior to the uh, shop where all the toys were falling off the shelf, a spirit that was playing with horror toys. And the common denominator is you. So I'm wondering if this is your ghost. 
Well, no. Okay. No, no, no. That has a lot of validity to it. I, I That's a good point. But here's the kicker. Okay. And I'm going to knock on wood because I don't want to jinx myself and go to the shop, you know, if this quarantine's ever over and I can actually fucking tattoo again, but I don't want to go jinx myself. So I'm knocking on wood, but, um, all right. So before, uh, okay. When we moved into this new building, uh, that we're in now the unhaunted new building. Okay. I own this building and my actually, so far. yeah. So my tattoo shop, it used to be in this building. All right. Um, when I saw an opportunity of this, the haunted shop we've been talking about go up for lease. I saw it. I was like, Oh my God, that'd be the perfect shop for it to, to do this tat, this TV show that I've been dreaming of. So I put my, my building that I owned, we moved the tattoo shop, put it up for lease and we got into the, the haunted shop. Okay. The TV show mm-hmm. happened, all that. We were there for four or five years. It was great. Landlord jacked up the rent because it was now a quote unquote famous shop that everyone wanted to come to. So like a dick, he kept jacking up the rent. Oh God. Yeah. And I finally, I was like, well, I could be paying five grand a month at this shop or I could, uh, basically evict the people that were in my building that I'm paying like a $1,200 mortgage on and go back there. So I gave them their notice, you know, all professional gave them like 90 days or something to move out anyways. So that here's the crazy thing. This is, this is how I'm rebutting or battling your statement you just made. Okay. So hear me (laughs) out. So that was a palm reading shop. Okay. That's who moved in there was like, was like palm readers and uh she was like a mystic you know fortune teller um lady. okay yes okay so i kind of think that the the air is clear there I, you know does that make sense it like, totally makes sense um, yes so we unbeknownst to me because they always paid their rent on time. So I just collected a check and, you know, never really did anything unbeknownst to me. It was like an entire tribe of gypsies, like Yugoslavian gypsies that were living in my building. I got there, they installed a shower and a stove and in a commercial building, there was like six beds upstairs. They're like families, brothers, oh, uncles, cousins were all living there. Yeah. It was um, the psychic I was commune. Like, oh, well, this is, yeah. It was, it was the psychic commune. I was like, Oh my God. In a two bedroom house. I was like, Oh my God. Uh, anyways, that's a whole nother podcast. You don't want to go there. But, so the gypsies are gone. They did not want to leave. At first, I was worried they were going to cast some kind of gypsy spell on me. All right. A but, curse. A curse. Yeah. But um, I we ended up I ended up giving them like a thousand dollar buyout just because I, I felt bad. And, you know, they'd yeah. been there a few years now. And so then they and were happy as hell. And they're like, anytime you need a renter. Yeah. Anytime you need a renter. Like, you know, hey, we'll we'll rent from you again. I'm like, cool. Me and Kyler go in the very first day. We open the front door to like assess the disaster that we had to move back into and remodel and stuff. We open the front door and for some reason, we just looked on the wall by the light switch by the front door and there was a a fucking banana peel hanging like pinned to the wall. Yeah. And I was like, everything else was clear. I mean, they're Okay. Uh, I'm not trying to be stereotypical here. Oh, fuck it. I'm, I'm being stereotypical. I don't give a shit. They're gypsies. So they fucking steal everything. Okay. They take everything. They took the bars off my fucking windows. All right. I'm talking what? unscrewed security bars. Like, what are they going to do with those? Yeah. All right. So we've established that gypsies take fucking everything. Okay. So uh-huh. literally the shop had not one thing left in it 
I mean, if they hooked up a stove, they took the electricity that they hooked it up with with them and the wires and like everything. Okay. Um, so why the fuck would they leave one thing, a banana peel? So I don't know what kind of, you know, maybe you guys can research that. What kind of like Yugoslavian, Austrian, whatever gypsy nationality they were type um, yeah. protection or something that it was. But I strongly feel that there's a reason why up high above like head height on that wall by the light switch, there was a banana peel. I think it was for like protection or something. And because that was the only thing left. And Kyler and I were first thing we saw. And we we're like, what the fuck is that? And we refused, <laughs> dude. We refused to take that shit down for like months until it started stinking. Okay. <laughs> because I was like, man, they, is this protection or is it a curse if we move it or touch it? So we were like, oh, fucking leave that banana peel there. Anyways, eventually, like we had to take it down. I think the wives made us or something, but we took it down yeah. and we've been back there for two years now and not one thing, knock on wood, not one thing has happened in that shop. So how crazy is that? You know, if they were fortune tellers, this, that, and the other, I'm sure they cleansed it quite often, you know, of spirit yeah. activity and things like that. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah. I'm, Either I'm Googling that. banana peel on wall gypsy. Let's see. And I just keep getting okay. the banana peel that was duct taped to a wall. So I got nothing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Either that or here's my scientific philosophy. Okay. Okay. If it was a kid ghost that liked playing with my toys or fucking with my toys that was following me. All right. The banana peels there. Because like in the old Scooby-Doo episodes, they would slip on the banana peel and they'd get hurt and they'd run away and shit. So maybe it was like the meddling kids theory of the slippery banana. Like, don't come in here. There's fucking slippery banana peels on the floor, you spirits. You're going to slip on your ass. And maybe that's why. Or Mario Kart. Know. I don't know. One of the two. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Chris, those stories were great. I love it so much. And anytime you take it to a Scooby-Doo reference, I am here for that shit. I'm not going to lie. Exactly. <laughs> So you guys definitely need to check out Chris. He's like, I, I literally mean one of my favorite humans. I don't think I've laughed this hard during an episode in a hot minute. So he's got, so Chris was formerly with Epic Inc. on A&E. He's got his, his headbangers show on, you know what? Just go through all your shows and then, um, because my brain is farting all over the place. Yeah, that's, that's okay. My brain farts all the time and it really stinks, <laughs> which is weird. I, um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, the Epic Inc. Um, and then the headbangers live TV on YouTube. And we also have headbangers live, um, social media, which basically just refers your ass to YouTube. So there's no point in really Perfect. following that. And then Chris 51 official on Instagram, um, please chat with me and, and send me your, your stories and your geeky artwork and, and all that kind of stuff. I love it. Especially if it's Scooby-Doo as we've established, you know, established um, and, um, yeah, I do. I, yeah, I do have a new project in the work. I can't say much. Um, okay. You know, there's, there's NDSs involved in stuff, but I will say that again, a couple of my really, really good geeky friends and I have, come up with something, some silly, crazy idea. And some people actually like this crazy idea and some big things might happen from it very soon. So, um, I will of course keep you updated. And, you know, if you let Please me, do. as soon as I, uh, if I hear something about it, I'd love to come back on and, and talk about it. Cause, uh, 
I think I think your audience will really dig it too. So well, I feel like we we got a big scoop there, people. So send all the good vibes Chris's way for me, so this can come to fruition. But Chris, you're amazing. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I was excited when you when you invited me. Thank you so much. Oh, you bet. I mean, you understand why I love this man. He is all that in a bag of chips. So um, I did Google and Googled and Googled what a banana peel pinned to a wall by a gypsy means. If it's a curse, if it's a blessing, I can't find it anywhere. Do we have any gypsies listening? Please, I must know more. Inquiring minds want to know what that could be. The only thing I get when I Google it is that stupid banana duct tape to a wall, which apparently somebody ate. What a dumbass. Okay, so we've got a listener story that was actually submitted to us via voice. So I'm not going to be reading it for you. But our dear friend, Valerie, had sent this in. She's been on a live podcast. She sent in stories. Uh, we met Valerie at Bistro 301, actually from through Grant Wilson. So I appreciate that. She's. I'm so glad to call her a friend. So without further ado, here is Valerie's story. Hey there, this is Valerie, um, frequent story sharer with, with Oddity Files. Um, I have been wanting to share this one for a long time, but I just kind of naively thought you guys had like a million stories and couldn't possibly need another one from me. Um, but that's not the truth, so I'm sharing. And sorry for taking so long. Um, I will say, though, this story, um, I think probably about a year ago when you guys first started or however long it's been now since you guys have been doing this, um, I remember being like, oh, what story do I have to share? Which is so stupid because Kitsy and I have investigated together once in a place that happened after the story. I have plenty to share, basically, is what I'm saying. Um, and it took me some time of thinking about the story to be able to share it for a couple of reasons. And, um, one being that it was just a super difficult time in my life. And so when I started to remember that this had happened, it, um, it was just difficult at first. And like I said, it's been a while now. I shared the story with some of my friends who I didn't realize I had never told them that this happened. And, um, they were all very shocked and, um, and I'm glad I talked to them about it, uh, helped me put some things in perspective, but, um, so during this time, this is um, 2009, I was about nine months pregnant, and um, I was, um, unfortunately, it was not a very good time, it was a very trying time, um, it was not, it was a difficult relationship, to say the least, and I was, um, I was just not doing very well, and um, getting ready to have my first child, which should have been like a very joyous situation, and it wasn't, and I was unfortunately isolated from almost all of my family and all of my friends, for sure, and um, and so it was really hard, and I'm giving you this backstory because um, I still to this day don't really know why this happened, um, and I think I kind of would like to one day. It'd be nice to maybe have some understanding if I could ever get there on this. And, uh, but I do know that there are a lot of people who seem to have brought forth evidence that pregnant women, women in menopause, children, um, preteens are maybe susceptible to, uh, the paranormal or spirit energy or whatever. Um, 
And this story only reaffirms that for me because this was the one and only time that any type of energy ever presented itself to me. So before I tell you too much, I'll just share the actual story. Um, so for a few weeks prior to this incident, um, I had been awoken in the night by the sound of my name being like scream whispered at me like Valerie, <laughs> like that. I would like chuckle when I do it cause I feel so stupid, but it's, it was like that. Um, like a really loud, like whisper, I don't know, it's strange. And, um, and creepy. And I'd never heard my name called before. Um, but I was also asleep when it would happen. But it was, it was like someone was next to my ear. And so, it would, you know, jar me awake and my daughter's father would be f- full blown passed out. And his son was living with us at the time. And it was a really difficult time for, for his son as well, because he was away from his mother and he didn't want to be. And it was very hard. And he was only eight at the time. And so the scream whisper thing was happening. I, I didn't have really the time or energy to be concerned with it other than when it would wake me up in the night, it would scare the crap out of me. And I would generally get up and go to the restroom and get a bowl of cereal because that's what you do when you're nine months pregnant. You go to the restroom a lot and eat a lot of cereal and, um, and settle myself down and go back to bed. And I never told, uh, daughter's father that this was ever happening. Um, and one night I hear the scream whisper and it wakes me up and at the foot of my bed is um, the f- dark shadow figure of my daughter's father's son. I don't want to name his name. And, um, and I will just say that this all happened so quickly. And when I saw this figure... Um, you know, two parts of my brain started firing. One was the rational side, like, well, I will say the irrational side first was like this, what the hell? Because that does not look like an actual figure of a human, although (laughs) it sort of did. And then my rational brain was like, oh, that has to be Bryce. You know, in a split second, you wake up and you see this and you're like, what is this? And, um, I was absolutely paralyzed in fear (laughs) and it was very dark in the room and our door was shut and like I said my rational brain was like it has to be him but he can't how did he what is going on and um so in just a matter of seconds this uh we were I mean the most terrifying part was probably the fact that I blinked and had like the thought in my mind of holy shit, that is, this is what you have like heard about or seen on TV or whatever you blink, it will be gone. Cause this, you're obviously hallucinating. You know what I mean? Like blink, 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 wake up and it'll be gone. And it didn't go away. And that absolutely is the memory of this. That scares me the most still to this day is, you know, thinking if I blinked, it was going to go away because I was dreaming obviously. <laughs> so that doesn't happen. And so I, you know, like I said, this happened very quickly I kind of, I start rustling in the bed and I said, um, hey buddy, because I'm thinking it's this child still. And, um, and at the same time, as I am saying this, I am leaning over to elbow my ex as hard as I can. And, um, and he's hard to wake. And I was like, up. (laughs) And, um, 
and he starts, he's like, what, what? And as soon as I elbow him, right after I had muttered my terrified, hey, buddy, um, the figure dropped, like, to the ground. Um, And it was like, in that split second, I realized, I was like, it moved, and it's so vivid, um, still to this day, it was like, so the figure was so dark black. There was, it was one dimensional. There was no transparency. There was no face. There was nothing. It was just like a, literally a dark figure. But when it moved, it even had the same haircut as this boy, because like the hair, like a little bowl haircut, because the hair like flew up in the air. It was just so vivid how it all happened. And it was so bizarre because it was like happening before my eyes. And I felt like I was fully awake. And Paul, you know, he starts to wrestle up and he's like, I'm like, look, and at this point I have turned the light on and I'm like, you know, saying the kid's name, uh, let's call him Johnny, 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 you know, and, um, nothing. And he, and I'm like, get up, go look and see his room. Like, where is he? Because I'm like, it has to have been him. He's in his bed. He's fast asleep. The doors are shut. It's just our door was shut the whole time, too. So there's no way that he could have, like, ducked down and, like, crawled out of the room. Because that's what I was expecting the whole time. I was like, and, and the room is not big. You know, it was just unexplainable, in my opinion. Um, I feel very convicted in the fact that I absolutely <laughs> saw this. Um, but have no idea why or what it wanted And after that, there were no more scream whispers. And I guess probably two weeks later, I had my daughter. And um, I wish I could say things got better sooner, but they didn't. But they did later. So um, for all of you listening who've maybe ever, you know, found yourself woken in the night with a dark figure in your room. And I know you're out there. um, Or walked into a room and saw something. Or walked past a room and saw something. I think you wonder why, why did it present itself to me or why, you know, um, and maybe you're trying to find answers that just aren't there. You know, maybe there is no real reason. I have no idea. Um, but I welcome your thoughts on this listeners, send them to Kitsy. She'll let me know. And thank you for letting me share my story again. Bye. Mm, Valerie, I love your stories so much. Thank you so much for that sending that in. You guys, do you have a paranormal story? Well, I want to fucking hear it. These are my jam. I love when you guys send these in. You can either record a voice memo like Valerie did or type it up and send it in. I love them so, so much. So if you would like to send yours in, you can do so at oddityfilescrew at gmail. And like I said, either record it on your phone and send us your voice memo or type it up so I can read it on the show for you. But guys, holy shit, this is episode 75. And it's definitely going to be called Don't Be an Asquatch because I'm that bitch. But I cannot thank each and every one of you enough for listening, hanging in there, sharing and tweeting and all the stuff and all the things. You guys, I can't do this without you. So hopefully this wasn't too weird, but know that I love you. I appreciate you. Reach out. I'm, you know, feeling a little lonely in the podcast studio by myself. Let me know your thoughts. Tell me something good. Um, But guys, weird is the new cool, 
and ghost the fuck on. Oddity Files is an independent production. Intro music created by DJ Jimmy. Wah, wah. 2020 artwork created by me, Kitsy Duncan. The opinions expressed in this podcast are ours and ours alone. Well, maybe yours too. If you like the show and would like to support us, visit oddityfiles.com and click on support or go to patreon.com slash oddityfiles. Every little bit helps with both the podcast and the TV show. You can also support us by watching Oddity Files on Amazon Prime. It's free to Prime members and dirt cheap to those who aren't. You can find us on all the social media sites at Oddity Files. Keep spreading the word by sharing, retweeting, and reposting. Join our Oddity Files Facebook group by searching Oddity Files Fan Group and click join. We'll approve you as soon as we can. All weirdos are welcome. Not into that social media stuff? Tell your coworkers, family, even the weird guy who just won't stop talking to you in line for coffee. Oh, and grandma, your grandma will love us. We appreciate each and every one of you. And if it weren't for you, we have no idea what we would do with our lives. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send it on in at oddityfilescrew at gmail.com. Also, send in story ideas, silly, weird memes, or just positive vibes to oddityfilescrew at gmail.com. You can also call in and leave that in a voicemail. Call us at 317 300 6699. To contact us about an appearance, reach out at kitsy at oddityfiles.com. When you have a set, rate, review, and subscribe. We know it doesn't sound like much, but it really helps us get up there on the podcasting charts. And remember, kids, weird is the new cool. Ghost on. Um, why are you still here? Go on. Get out of here. Turn it off. It's done. Really? I swear. Go. Get. Serious. I'm out of here.